Hi everybody, Jackson Michael here of The Game Before The Money. I was fortunate enough to be able to interview kicker Tony Franklin for the August 13th Game Before The Money radio show. He was one of those famous barefoot kickers of the 1970s and 1980s. That's right, he kicked without a shoe or sock on his foot. There's plenty of footage of that online if you aren't old enough to remember. It was a great interview, a lot of fun, and there was more to it than there was time for on the radio broadcast. So I'm uploading the entire interview for you on the Game Before the Money podcast. Tony Franklin still holds the NCAA record as of 2022 for most 60-yard field goals in a single game. He's going to talk about that in this interview. He kicked for Texas A&M. And by the time he left College Station, he owned over a dozen NCAA kicking records. The Philadelphia Eagles drafted him in the third round of the 1979 NFL Draft. He was their kicker in Super Bowl 15. He was later traded to the New England Patriots and kicked for them in Super Bowl 20. He kicked field goals in both games. He's got a lot of great stories, including about playing against Earl Campbell in high school. So enjoy this interview with Tony Franklin. Please visit thegamebeforethemoney.com. The Game Before the Money is a nonprofit organization, and you can also make donations at thegamebeforethemoney.com. You can also join our newsletter. Thanks so much for listening, and here's the interview with Tony Franklin. Tony, you went to Arlington Heights High School in Fort Worth and you played with another future NFL player, Mike Renfro. Yeah, Mike was a year older than me in high school and uh, uh, played a couple of seasons with him. And, of course, he had a great career. So it's kind of it was kind of fun. I went to his Texas Sports Hall of Fame induction this past fall. My wife Sally and I did, and I saw some of my friends from high school that I hadn't seen since high school. So it was fun. Yeah. Now, were you kicking already in high school? Yeah, I was. Uh huh. And you played defensive back too, right? Yeah, I played free safety and played a little offense. I was a running back, and I could play flanker. But normally, I punted and kicked. And although my last year, we had another guy punt that did a better job. And uh, so I just kicked field goals and played free safety. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, kickers are, were were all around athletes when when they were in high school. A lot of times. <laughs> yeah, it's that's why it gives me such a it burns me up. And when you hear on TV that kickers are just you know these strange or whatever unathletic dudes, you know I've, I I I played the game so. It uh, it just happened to be, you know, I was I had a knack for kicking and I wanted to continue playing, so I just worked on my craft. And um, you know, you even played playing defense in high school. You even went up against Earl Campbell in the state playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got run over. I was one of the many guys in high school that got run over by Earl Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> He was something in high school, even man. He was played middle linebacker, and he was so fast. He was like six one, two hundred and twenty five pounds in high school. 
and he could run like the wind. And so he played middle linebacker because he could run right, run left, or run straight ahead. And he was a devastating tackler in his own right. He was a great football player. Oh, wow. That's interesting to know you even played defense in high school. Yeah, he played the middle linebacker. And then uh, after high school, you went to A&M, Texas A&M. Right. Yeah, Texas right. A&M. How, how did you end up there? You know, it's really funny. Originally, I had some guys that I played high school ball with that all got football scholarships to Texas Tech. And me being from Big Spring originally, um, I wanted to go to Texas Tech, but Tech wasn't interested in talking to me. So, you know, in the other schools, the other big schools, I got feelers from OU and Nebraska. And, but they all wanted me to walk on, and I said pass. TCU recruited me really hard, but I went and watched them play against Texas when I was a senior in high school and Texas beat them 83 to 16. And I decided that I didn't want to be on the end of that deal. So, <laughs> That's right. You know, A&M offered me a partnership at first and then right at the end, they, uh, coach Ballard offered me a full scholarship. And so I just jumped at the chance and went to A&M. Yeah. Coach em- Emery Ballard, just uh, a legendary coach, father of the wishbone, Yep. Offense, what was what was he like? Oh, he was one of the nicest men you ever met in your life. He was a great coach. He was a great motivator. There's two guys that I played for, Emory Blard and Raymond Berry, and they were both consummate gentlemen. And they were two of the finest men I've ever known. And, uh, you know, I think you still hold the NCAA record as as the only player to have two field goals over sixty yards in the yeah. same game, what what did you have for breakfast that day? <laughs> you remember? I mean, really. I, I it mean, was, it was really it was really kind of funny. It was it was in October. It was chilly. It had rained, and uh, it was raining some during the game. And it was just, uh, and I don't know, you know, I I got a chance to kick one, and I remember the one from sixty four. I didn't really hit that good, but. It managed to sneak over the juncture of where the upright and the crossbar meet. And then the one from 65, I don't think I ever hit a better ball in my life. That that one would have been good from 75. It, it really cleared with a lot to spare. And it, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't eat anything special for breakfast, like you said, but it was just you know, one of those things, and my wife is so funny, I'd kick three field goals that game and I didn't even know her then. And she said, man, I couldn't believe you did that because I, you know, the A&M tradition is every time the offense scores, you have to kiss your date. She said, I had to kiss this guy three times and it was the worst date I ever had in my life. So I just laugh at her. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great backstory to that. Uh, yeah. She's uh, 44 years later. She still tells that story. Now you said it was chilly. And uh, you kicked barefoot. That, that's kind of a lost art. You kicked uh, with, with without a shoe on your kicking foot or right. a sock. Right. How, how did that come about? I never could. You know, back then the soles of the shoes were so thick you couldn't really flex them where you could hit the ball where you needed to on your foot. You know, since then they'd make great shoes for kickers, kicking shoes. And, but they didn't back then, and I just – took my shoe off. I tried kicking with a shoe on in high school and I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And then I took my shoe off and, you know, I started kicking them from 50, 55 yards when I was 15 years old. So, you know, that's just, I did it. It wasn't because uh, 
I was trying to set a trend or anything. It was the only thing that worked for me. Oh, wow. You know, the, the, the first thing as a fan I think about is, um, you know, wouldn't it hurt, especially when it was chilly? Well, you know, once you finally got used to it, I kicked with a sock in high school. The only reason I ever took a sock off was when I went to A&M when I was a freshman during uh, two days. It rained all the time in College Station. I finally got tired of changing my socks, so I just took it off and just, you know, went a la naturel and uh, just kind of stuck with it, brother. And, uh, you know, it stung a little bit at first, but then you get used to it, and, you know, it didn't really bother me. And even professionally, when I was playing in Philadelphia or Boston, you know, you kept your shoe and sock on till it was time to kick, and you stretched out, kicked a few on the sidelines, go out, do your deal, and then come back to the sideline and put your shoe and sock back on. So it, it wasn't that bad. What about on, on kickoffs? During the kickoff return? I, I, I would think guys would be trying to step on your foot. Well, you have to remember, I was fairly nimble back then, and I could move around pretty good. And uh, fortunately, I never got it stepped on. <laughs> you were the Eagles' third third round pick in, in 1979. 1979. Yeah. How did you find out you were drafted, and, and did it surprise you that, that you went that high? Well, I was hoping I would go in the first round because, you know, I'd set 18 NCAA records and I'd kick, you know, 16 over 50 and 3 over 60. So, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. I was kind of disappointed, but it was funny. My, my future father-in-law called. I was at my wife's apartment then. We were dating, and he called and said, yeah, this is such and such with Buffalo. <laughs> and he was saying that they drafted me because you know how cold Buffalo is. But as soon as I hung up the phone after talking to him, the phone rang, and it was uh, Dick Vermeil. And he said, we drafted you in the third round. We're looking forward to having you. And so that was basically it. And uh, in your rookie year, you kicked a 59-yard field yeah. goal. What, what do you yeah, remember about a, that? Well, I remember it was at Texas Stadium against the Cowboys, or as we call them in my family, the Cow Patties. Uh, <laughs> It was it was quite a thrill, you know. It was one right before halftime. On third down, we had gotten an illegal motion penalty, and they declined the penalty. And uh, Dick said, "Go kick it," and I did, and I ended up making it. And it was uh, it was it was quite interesting. It was uh, it was a novel feeling, especially there in my home state, you know. Yeah, so being a kid, being a kid that you know grew up being a diehard cowboy fan. You know, it was it was it was very special. And what was what was kicking in, in Veterans Stadium like? It, the the weather and we played Dallas in the nineteen eighty NFC Championship, and it was seven degrees at kickoff, and the chill factor got down later on in the game to minus thirty. So it, it gets pretty chilly, but we had those heated benches on the sidelines, and uh, you know the turf wasn't very good when. Uh, I first got there, but they changed the turf out in like 81 or two, and it was a, a lot better, and it was a lot easier to kick on. So, you know, I enjoyed my time in Philadelphia, and I enjoyed my time in Boston. So, you know, I led a very rich and very rewarding life as far as my athletic career goes. So I, I actually liked Philly. Um, and then, uh, you, right, that, that NFC Championship game, and then you kicked them into Super Bowl fifteen. 
Um, right. What was your first Super Bowl experience like? It was kind of crazy. You know, you go out there and you kind of get all of this. You just kind of soak it in the first time, you know, and, you know, especially, you know, media day and all of that. And you just kind of wonder, you know, are we ever going to get to the point where we're going to play the game? And I think a lot of guys, if you've never played in one, you know, you kind of you walk out on the field and you're just kind of like and one of the guys said, you know, you can't get caught up in the hype. It's, it's just another football game. And I think the teams that do that are the ones that end up playing pretty well. And, uh, you know, we just – we had played Oakland that year, and we had beat them 10-7 to 7 in Philly. And uh, we just – we had a couple of things hurt us right off the bat. You know, it's hard to change momentum around once it gets started. And that's kind of what happened to us. Momentum kind of got us negative momentum. But, you know, my hat's off to them. They played a great football game. They were a great team. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to be able to play in that game. And then you were you were traded to New England, right? Ron Meyer traded for me because I had kicked against him when he was head coach at SMU all those years, and uh, they needed somebody. And you know they traded for me, and I I was thankful for him to go to to Boston, and I had a I had a great career in New England. So you know I was very fortunate. Got to play in another Super Bowl and led the NFL in scoring there and made the Pro Bowl. So it was it was very rewarding for me. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who associate you with the Patriots as much as the Eagles. Yeah, because, you know, we were, we were good for a number of years in New England and got to play in Super Bowl XX. Of course, you know, we had played Chicago earlier in the year in 85, and they beat us, I think, 20-7 to 7 at Soldier Field. And then, you know, we scored first in the – in the uh, in Super Bowl twenty, I kicked a field goal. But after that, man, it was just. Whew. I sat on the end of the bench, and it was just, it was brutal. Forty six to ten, we finally scored a touchdown at the end of the game. But they were truly a dominant football team. Yeah, I mean they're they're rated one of the greatest teams of all time, especially oh, I, that. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, one thing about New England that I'm I'm interested in, and I uh-huh. I know this happened before you got there, but I was wondering if you heard anything about it after you arrived. Was the, the snowplow game had <laughs> happened? Just that a- was Ron Meyer, the snowplow game, yeah. Shula's, you know, he was fuming. They went out and cleared the field with the snowplow where they could kick a field goal to win 3 to nothing. I thought Shula was going to have an apoplexy, you know. <laughs> but they did it. And nobody threw a flag or said they couldn't do it. So they did it, and it paid off. (laughs) I think I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear any backstory to it while you were in New England? Or Uh, the guy that drove the snowplow, I know, was a prison release guy, and he had come out and just you know they had hired him, and Shula found out about it, and he said, "God, I'll have him thrown back in jail." You know all this, just (laughs) you know how that stuff goes. (laughs) (laughs) Just anger and frustration. Yeah, well, right on, Tony. Well, th- are, are there any parts of the kicking game that fans don't know about that, that you think kickers wish fans knew about? Well, you know, it's it's not automatic. I mean, it's something you really have to, you know, I tried to hone my craft to the point where I, I had the same motion with an extra point or a 50-yard field goal. You know, you try and kick it too hard, you end up mishitting it, and it 
you never have any real chance of making it but it's just kind of like a golf swing and uh, it's all rhythm and timing and you got to work at it and work at it and work at it and uh it takes a lot of uh mental toughness to be a kicker you got to be pretty tough mentally because you can go from the penthouse to the outhouse and the outhouse to the penthouse you know all at one fell swoop so it's kind of hard to deal with those changes sometimes but the guys that are successful you know you can't go onto the field thinking you're going to miss you have to go out on the field every time thinking you're going to make and if you do you're going to be successful Thanks for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. And special thanks to Tony Franklin. Please visit thegamebeforethemoney.com. And check out the Game Before the Money radio show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Sports Map Radio Network and the Sports Map Radio app. 